Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halastic, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solution provides easy-to-set-up lines of credit for small businesses, and I will be your host for today. If interested in setting up a line of credit for your business, which I would highly recommend, please visit us at fscreditline.com. That's F-S as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience. And today, I'm excited to be speaking with Vince Shorb from National Financial Educators Council. Vince is one of the country's leading advocates for promoting financial literacy and a thought leader in teaching and scaling financial education programs. Vince has led the NFEC in the development of 2,500 literacy programs, development of over 80 financial literacy assets. He has been featured in publications on USA Today, CNBC, Yahoo Finance, Forbes, CNN Money, MarketWatch, Fox Business, Huffington Post, the NASDAQ, and Business Insider. After spending 15 years in financial services working one-on-one with more than 20,000 people, he founded the National Financial Educators Council, an organization dedicated to combating the financial illiteracy epidemic. Vince, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thanks for having me, Stephen. So it's a great topic. I know over the last several years, financial literacy in schools has been huge, right? I mean, uh, my sons went through financial literacy in in their schools. Uh, You know, my youngest is 12. uh, uh, He's 13 now, but he went through it between 12 and 13. My other son went through it in high school. And financial literacy for kids in many states has become a big deal, correct? It has. Um, Your kids are very fortunate, by the way, so it's great they're having that opportunity. I think there's a lot of room for improvement, uh, starting from teacher training, making sure that teachers are qualified to teach that subject. You know, most teachers, if you're a math science teacher, you go through eight years of training to teach that subject, and they're throwing in gym coaches to teach or math math instructors, etc. So we got a lot of room to work there. Additionally, not enough rigor. You know, try to speak Spanish after a 10-hour class, after a 20-hour class, uh, probably uh, no hablo espanol bien. And that's that's two years of Spanish right there. <laughs> um, so, so it's a big problem, you know, I think. And also we need to address it. Uh, habits in youth form very young. Data out there from Cambridge University and Brown University points to habits forming between uh, age 7 and 10, just depending on, on their environment and other factors. Um, so it's a major issue that's not starting young enough. It's not increasing in rigor. And when they're getting to high school, they're not preparing them for the challenges that they need to face early on, the moving out, the pain for college, the how to manage your credit cards. So I'm glad your kids have had it. I'm glad other kids get it, but it needs to increase in rigor and competencies. Yeah. I, and I also, it's a great, listen, I'm a very engaged father. I consider it my top priority in my life. So, so it opens up discussions about you know, uh, us talking about, uh, finance, financing, 
financial decisions, money, all those things. Uh, so it's, you know, it's good. I, you know, I ask him what, what they cover and he's telling me, I think the most important thing about it isn't always what they learn. It's, uh, you know, in detail, it's about the, the idea that, uh, financial, uh, education, knowing about what you're doing with your money and how the world works is something you need to pay attention to. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And it's great that you're extending the lessons that are taught in school. Although I really want schools to teach it, I feel it still is a parental responsibility to make sure your kid graduates or leaves home with the skills they need to make it in today's world. So it's great you're extending uh, those lessons. And, you know, from what you're doing in the business side of things, you know, the, the lessons and the habits that are formed as children often impact their business decisions when it comes to their finances as well. So for those business owners, those entrepreneurs, you know, we're developing our financial habits at a young age that can carry over into our business life and extend from our professional life as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that kind of brings us into our topic today, which is how money affects your business decisions. And, you know, a subtext of that is psych the psychology of money. So, Right off your bat, tell us how you think money affects business decisions. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and if you don't mind, I'll back up a bit just to kind of paint hey, that connection between youth and those business decisions later. Um, because I think understanding the inputs we're getting as children is important to reflect back on, hey, when we're adults and why are we uh, handling money in the way we are? And, you know, right from the get-go, especially youth today, you know, when I was in Growing up, you know, we didn't have the barrage of advertisements like they do today, uh, but kids today are, are, have advertisements from every corner. Um, and that's really pushing a lifestyle, a vision of this luxury lifestyle. And, and you know, you have those advertisers really pushing that. Uh, that's only, uh, you know, increased by those influencers, those Kardashians and those other people. Um, but also we have a more micro influencers, right? Those kids unboxing videos, the teen hauling videos where they're going shopping and showing what they purchase. So this is really building up that consumerism mentality. Um, additionally, uh, we have parents that uh, often aren't engaged or, or helping their habits or kids form bad habits. Oftentimes they're reinforcing what these advertisers are trying to get them to do. So I, I saw this uh, mother, this is a few years ago, but you know, kid in the basket at, at a shopping uh, shopping cart. Um, a kid on the ground, four years old, five years old, and the kid sees this little magic wand filled with candy, you know, some Disney princess thing, and, you know, she starts throwing a fit, right? She wants this Disney princess thing, and the mom's like, you know, so, you know, busy and stuff, and, and she finally gives in after a few minutes, right? I don't blame the mom, I don't blame the kid. The kid's so influenced by these ads, and the mom gave in. Now, if this repeats itself over and over, what's going to happen when the kid wants something as an adult and can't get it? So I think a lot of those habits carry over into that business world. Um, and I think, you know, we see this in, in some businesses today. They're, they're, you know, especially young starting up businesses, they're going for the flash, right? And, hey, I have a business, look at this cash and look, I got a new car now and, and, and overextending themselves. When those are the formidable years, you need to be building a base, making sure you have some money set aside, making sure you have that uh, money you can fall back on uh, when hard times might hit. 
Um, so I think a lot of what uh, decisions people are making as adults, as business owners, can stem back sometimes, not all the time, to what they've developed in, as a child. Yeah, it's funny. <clears throat> you gave me a visual. I remember this one guy. He's a landscaper. Um, this guy was wild, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. And, you know, he had this landscaping business. And first thing he did was he bought a Porsche. Yeah. You know, and, you know, he was a big spender and he would go on these dates and he would just like spend money like crazy. Right. And, you know, I would see that. And I, uh, this was early on. I think, I think I was like maybe 10 or 15 years into my 30 year entrepreneur career. So I, I was never that way. Um, and the thing that you learn over a 30 year period of owning businesses, and I'm sure you have this experience too, is, um, you got to be able to ride out recessions. Yeah. Right. Definitely. And, and so, you know, there's good times and then there's challenging times and you got to have the, the, the money or else your dream of being an entrepreneur is just not gonna, it's not going to happen. It's not yeah. going to happen because you're going to have bad times and you know, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. And if you're not going to, if you're not ready to do that, well then don't become an entrepreneur because that's, that's what it's like. Um, and, and the money buffers those downtimes. You know? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I see this, you know, through my career with friends and, you know, my life, my last life was in the mortgage industry, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And, you know, I, all my buddies, you know, right. I was always very frugal, but uh, I had dreams of, of bigger things. Um, but, uh, you know, this is very entrepreneurial type thing. Everybody had kind of their own, own little deal going on. Um, but huge overspending. I'm like, guys, we see this every day. You see credit reports, you see what kind of trouble people are in. Why are you doing this? Rates aren't going to stay this low forever. Um, and you know, the first thing they sold was the second home. Then it was the fifth wheel. Then it was the, you know, the fun uh, motorbikes, you know, and then they're, they're worrying about keeping their home. You know, I think at least for me, I'd rather have nights I could sleep soundly and not have to worry about that. Um, and no, I'm doing everything I can to make this business successful. Yeah. And it, it goes to the, like, uh, you know, our subtext here is the psychology of money. And it's, it's a matter of being able to make decisions from a, a, in your business, from a power of, uh, from a position of strength. Right. So, you know, you, you almost don't want to be forced into a decision because you don't have enough money. You know, if you have enough money, you can make a better long-term decision. And, uh, and so I, you know, do you think that, uh, having, let me ask you a question that I've always wrestled with. So when I'm like, when I was younger, I, I used to read a lot. I still do, but I read a lot of books about business. This is before I started my business. Uh, I kind of wanted to prepare myself to, when I own a, own a business, and I ran, I read a book about Sam Walton and Sam Walton was a unique person in that he had the ability to not only make a lot of money, but he also didn't care. He didn't want to spend a lot of money. And that's a unique individual. Like I'm the person who makes, makes very, very good money, but I don't really care. I don't really pay attention to saving it. It's just, I just have to make a lot, make good money. And so what's left is I still have my lifestyle, but I still save money because I don't have an expensive lifestyle. And then you have the opposite where 
people like the landscaper, they spend a ton of money and, you know, they're always fighting to try to make the money. So is it, is it an aberration and unusual to be like Sam Walton? That's a good question. I, I, I know some people in my life are like that. I, I'm, I'm very much that way. I, you know, I like certain things, but I don't overspend. I buy affordable real estate. You know, it's just how I always been since a child. Um, but I, I would agree with you that more people are, hey, that liking to spend. And, and you know, even in my time in the going back to mortgages, again, I talked to 20,000 people, reviewed their, uh, you know, credit history, what their bills were. And I saw most people from that experience were more leaning toward, hey, I'm going to spend at the upper range of what I can afford and even what I can afford sometimes. So I would definitely agree with you on uh, that. To your point earlier about, hey, you like the freedom to be able to have enough money to make decisions where your back's not against the wall with your business. I definitely agree because anytime emotions are involved in any type of decision, um, whether that be a relationship decision or business and, and, and money decision, uh, we're not going to always make the most logical decisions. You know, we do a, a lot of coaching here at the NFEC. We train coaches and, and certify them and they, they start their own coaching practice. Um, but that's a big thing that, that they wrestle with is how do we help people, you know, get from that emotional decision-making standpoint to making more logical decisions. And one of the tricks that they typically do is to get them to put things on paper or make it into something where they can see and, and really evaluate from a place of, you know, like the old Ben Franklin, right? The, Hey, what's, what are the pros? What are the cons? It doesn't need to be that, but just getting them to put that on paper so they can make that more logical decision as opposed to the, the sky is falling. What am I going to do? I'm going to do some knee jerk reaction, which may take me further down the hole, uh, get me further in trouble. Um, so I, I definitely agree that hey, you don't want to have your back up against the wall and have to make those types of decisions, especially in business. What, what about the other angle, which is uh, penny smart and dollar foolish? Yeah. Like, do you think that, that can hamper someone's ability to make money because they worry about the nickels and dimes and, uh, you know, and they should be worried about the dollars. Definitely. And, and being more frugal myself, that's something I personally had to fight with. Right. So it's like, Hey, should I hire somebody for this or just do it myself? And in I, early on in my business career, I struggled with that. It's like, Hey, I'm just going to hammer this through and do it myself. I'll do it over the weekend. And often what happened, especially when you're starting, I didn't do it with the, the quality that it should have been done. It took up time from the big picture planning and those other things that could have progressed the business forward faster. Um, so as a frugal person, that's what I have to fight with. You know, the other people that are, you know, throwing money out, they have to fight with exactly the opposite. Hmm. Now tell me more about your organization. So you, um, you, you mentioned one of the things you guys do is you, 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 train coaches. Yeah. So your organization is, uh, is called, uh, financial, uh, tell me your name, your organization. Yeah, right. National financial, Here it is. national Council, financial yeah. educators council, right. N F E C. So tell me what its mission is. Yeah. Our focus is expanding and scaling financial wellness programs really in communities around the globe. Our focus is the U S but we're in 60 plus countries as well. Uh, we do that by mobilizing local champions. So people that feel called to teach classes, teach groups, 
or coach work one-on-one with individuals and provide them the training resources and support to be able to scale a program that they can really help their local community members with. Um, When we started, we weren't a council. We were actually the boots on the ground people doing the financial education, doing the coaching. And about a decade ago, we transitioned because we had great success and people were asking us, hey, we want to use your material. Show us how to do this. And it was a a slow transition over about two, three years. Um, So about eight, seven, eight years ago, we transitioned to where we're at now is really leading and mobilizing these campaigns around the globe. And so the people that you're educating, are they students uh, in school or are they people or they're or they adults? All ages. So uh, what we do is we, we're training those educators locally and they're going out and, and serving, you know, whether it be a three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old in, in elementary school or nonprofit or maybe a faith-based group um, to adults uh, or high school and, and, and all the way through adults. So, you know, what we tell them to do is follow their passion. They're called here for a reason. You know, some of them had trouble, you know, coming out of college and got into debt. They're like, I want to help people like that. Other people just love kids, right? They want to work with kids. And some people are, you know, we have a lot of financial service people that want to work with adults and so forth and provide that education as well or, or, or that coaching. So uh, what we tell people is, hey, find that, uh, you know, what you're called here for serve that niche and be open to other opportunities. If, you know, if, if you're serving kids and say somebody wants to, uh, a class for the high school students, be open for those. But again, uh, focus your efforts on what you're really called here for. How, how is your organization funded? Uh, we're self-funded from the very oh. beginning, uh, uh, never in debt. Uh, um, you know, I, I think it's good to have backup as far as, you know, credit lines and things as far as, hey, added security if things go wrong. Um, but we're funded by the sale of our materials. It's actually licensing of materials and our training and certification courses. Um, so we're self-funded. We're 100% independent, which we're very proud of. Uh, so a lot of uh, financial education, uh, uh, you know, the bigger players in the space are funded by like, credit card companies and things like that. We stay away from that. We want to be 100% independent. Our materials purely educational focus on the clients, the students end result, as opposed to pushing any type of agenda. So tell me the top three things. Uh, first, tell me the three things, and then we can get into detail on each, that mistakes that people make with money. Number one. Yeah, I'd say number one, it's it's not having a plan. Um, I think without a plan, uh, well, I'll, I'll go through your list, then we can get into yeah. uh, deepening that. Yeah. So not having a plan. Number two. Overspending. Overspending. Number three. Uh, not not really, um, uh, you know, focusing when they need to make an improvement, they feel overwhelmed as opposed to addressing it systematically. Okay. All right. I, I, I think I feel like my, I have a plan. I, I tell you where I'm not, a lot of people aren't good at, mm-hmm. okay? Including myself. Having a budget and sticking to the budget. Yeah, I would say that would fall into the third category, not addressing it systematically. That's a big one. 
but we see, hey, if they don't have a plan, there's no reason to budget, right? Um, and, and then the overspending happens because, hey, they're not setting their sights on, hey, I want to retire, buy that home, you know, five, 10 years out. We're looking for that gratification. And how do we address that systematically? Hey, through the different tools. Hey, maybe it's their, maybe they're, uh, you know, high in debt because their housing expense is too high. They're, you know, at a, at a renting a place that's 40% of their gross income, which is sadly common. Um, and what, how can we systematically address that uh, in, in a, in an order uh, that's going to best and most effectively help them get to where they want to go? So, uh, we, so we said have a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Second one was, what was the second one again? Uh, address overspending. Address overspending. Yeah. And then, uh, okay. So what, if you had a client mm-hmm. who you're teaching a class or you had a client who says, okay, I have a plan. Uh, I have a budget. I don't, I don't do a good job of following my budget. I overspend. What's, and I'm relating this to a business owner. Uh, of, uh, we're going to relate this back to a business owner. What do you do about a person or a business owner that just doesn't follow their budget? Yeah, that, that's more common than you might think, especially when people are planning budgets, they're in a different state, right? So they're in a state, hey, I want to cut back. I want to trim things down. Uh, so what we do and what our coaches do is they'll watch people over the months and they'll see areas that they are, are consistently overspending on, right? It's like, hey, is this... It, what's the level of importance of this area for you? Maybe they're getting their car clean once a week, right? You know, you're spending $140 here each month on this area. How important is that to you? Um, hey, it's really important. Okay, well, is it something that you would be okay with? Uh, you probably wouldn't be okay with stopping it, but would you be okay with cutting it back maybe every other week, right? So we're trying to, you know, find ways that fit their lifestyle, right? Um, and can keep them toward their longer term objectives. Uh, also in the beginning of the coaching relationship, one of the things that uh, our coaches do uh, quite a bit on is understanding the reasons they're even contacting them. So why do you want a financial coach or why are you attending a financial education class? Those reasons are critical. You know, th- we can leverage that tool later when we are going through that budget and they are spending 120 bucks a month on their car. Hey, you know, you said you're really concerned about little Johnny's college. You want to pay for that. It's keeping you up at night. You're fighting with your wife over it. Um, is this something that you would feel okay with cutting back, knowing that it could have other positive implications in your life? So a lot of it's psychology. Um, you know, uh, when I first started in finance and in the mortgages uh, early on in my life, I always treated it very logically, right? Here's the budget. Just stick to it. You're going to be good. But what I realized uh, and, and learned, uh, you know, just you know, the hard way almost was people make decisions that aren't always logical. So we have to, you know, get on their side, get in, tap into those emotions, help them tap into those reasons when they are making those decisions uh, just to provide that added encouragement. You know, it's crazy. I, I remember early on in my career where for my entrepreneur career, I, I would go and like, maybe I'm doing a major marketing ad campaign and I'm going to be spending about a hundred thousand dollars. Right. And I look at that and I'm like, okay, let's just go, go for it. Let's spend a hundred thousand. Go ahead. And then in my personal life, I'll be like, you know, uh, looking at a new racket and seeing that it costs, you know, $250 and 
you know, s- saying, wow, $250. It's amazing with, <laughs> with the business life that you have as, an, as a business owner, how the numbers are so much bigger than they are in your personal life. Great point. You have any comments on that? No, but I can definitely relate to what you're saying. I do the same thing. I'm, as you know, I'm very frugal in my personal life. Hey, this is, I get this five bucks cheaper. I won't spend a lot. I won't waste time on it, but yeah, it's there. I'll get it. But Hey, when it's business and also I think, Hey, there's a, you know, we're, we're investing that money. I'm okay with investing based on my reason, logic and, and, and best estimate of what can happen from that. When we're purchasing something, it's a little different uh, mentality. Um, but hey, you know, there's there's a potential return from that investment. And I have faith in myself in this decision. I'm going to pull that trigger rather than, hey, I'm going to, you, know, uh, you know, be able to play tennis a, a bit better and, and beat my buddies, you know. Do you think the, uh, the business program, I'm sorry, the programs that you have and the business coaches you have would be very good for a business owner to bring on to help them watch their costs more? Yeah. So the way, you know, our coaching programs really designed for personal finances. However, what we see with a lot of smaller to even mid-sized businesses is the business owner's personal finances get mixed in the business finances. Yeah. So money's being taken away from this business. Um, so there's a big gap, you know, there's a problem there. Uh, the other thing we see with the you know, more mid, mid-sized businesses, maybe small, small to mid, but, uh, uh, where is they're trying to bring in employee benefit programs and financial wellness is something they bring in. Uh, but for the business owner specifically, uh, you know, our coaches aren't working on the business per se, but when the uh, individual's personal finances is messing up the business, um, that's where we come in. Yeah. I, so I had this very good friend. He's this heart of gold. He's just an amazing person. But he's had seven failed businesses and like really flaming bad, like terrible. And he would have these businesses and he would say, uh, oh, this business that I have is doing great. Let's say the last one, right? This, this business is doing great. Be like, um, okay, like how much – I wouldn't say we'd put it this way, but I'll just illustrate it for this. I'd say, well – you know, what's your net profit? How much you, how much you're making? He goes, well, it's hit. It's kind of hard to tell because we get a lot of gifts and like exchanges. So we'll provide our service. And in, 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 and in return, I get this, you know, family membership to this exercise club. Mm -hmm. And he would do that all the time. So, you know, we, we would try to communicate with him. Uh, This uh, was an entrepreneur group that I had uh, that we were together in. We'd say is you got to put a value on those things. You yeah. know, would you have gotten that membership for your family? Would you have gotten it uh, if you hadn't had that business? Great question. And, yeah, and uh, so he'd say is you know well, well maybe for me and my wife, but not for my kids. You know, so I'd be like, okay, well you know that's that's good. Okay, well then let's put a value on that. But he would do this with so many different things, and he. You know, he net when he, then when he tried to sell the business, people are like, "Well, look at it." And he'd say, "You're you're not making any money." Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and he would try to explain it to them. They'd say, "It's that's not important to me. I, I don't need to get a family membership uh, at this place that would convert over to me. It just doesn't work." So, uh, 
I can see where, you know, I look back over 30 years and I think, wow, God, how much money have I wasted in my personal and professional life? You know, uh, but I also know that I don't have super, super expensive tastes. And uh, sometimes you just got to move forward, right? True. Yeah. I mean, what's done is done, uh, you know, but it's also a lifestyle. It's a balance, right? We need to balance money with lifestyle and what we want to do. You're set. So you really don't have to worry too much about that. But yeah, when you think about some of the decisions, uh, you know, anybody looking back at decisions they made, it's, it's kind of stressful. And I think, you know, that's what we're combating. You know, our financial educators coach on a regular basis. That's what they're combating. These people that have been so beaten up before from decisions they made. They feel like, oh God, why did I do if I just would not have done that, my life would be so much better. And they're there for so long. So this whole money thing is very psychological. It's it's helping people address these issues. And and the thing is there's a there's a a framework called the stages of change. They use it in like drug addiction and things like that, where there's people that don't want to change, right? They call that the pre-contemplative stage. They don't want to change oftentimes because they've been so beaten up. Like in the drug rehab, they've been there four or five times and there's like, forget it, I'm, it never worked, right? And same thing with money. They've been so beaten up, hey, I'm, I just got out of you know credit card debt and this happened, or, or hey, I had student loan debt, now I'm in credit card debt, I'm never gonna retire, they give up, right? Um, and then as it progresses, there's different stages, you know, we have some procrastinators, then we have the action phase where they're really trying to take action. And to get them to that stage, we need to address a lot of psychological issues that they're facing from past decisions that they've made. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's tough. You know, like, I think I agree with you. I think money should be, you should be educated on it. I think you just go back to something you said early on, and it's it's my one takeaway that I would give advice to every business owner is at least on a monthly basis, look at your income statement, look at the categories, look where you're spending money, even share it with your accountant. And and sometimes the accountant might see something. It's saying, "Whoa, you're spending thirty percent of your revenue on advertising. That's a lot of money." And you know, I think if you just become aware that that's the first step in really, you know, making better decisions about. Uh, I I know my business partner does a very nice job with this, you know, uh, with us because I really don't pay that much attention to it. And he'll say, you know, we should be spending this percentage of our money on advertising and you're spending this much because I'm more of the, I'm in the marketing and sales end. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, so it's, it's, I think you need somebody like that. Uh, yes, I've done that with my other companies. Uh, but, you know, he does, a, I think, a very better job than I did. Uh, so I had some companies without him. So, uh, so is there any last parting things that you want to say to uh, our listeners today? Yeah, I'd just say, hey, you know, money's going to directly impact your business. Make sure you handle your household expenses, right, and get those set. Um, you know, that way you can or can help to ensure, hey, your employees are okay, uh, your business is going to succeed. And I think it all relates to money. If we don't have money in a business, we're really in a, in a insecure position. So um, uh, I just say, hey, your last advice was great. Look at your money on a monthly basis, see where you're heading, see the direction, see where you're spending and try to make uh, incremental improvements along the way. 
Yeah, and if anyone's listened to my past podcast, they know I'm a big proponent of having KPIs, key yes. performance indicators yes. that you review on a consistent basis. So, you know, you call I call it a scorecard. A lot of people call it that too, or dashboard. You know, you should have five to 10 things that you are looking at on a consistent basis every single either week or month or, you know, usually monthly. Um, if you do that, that makes a big difference. But maybe at the same time, you make sure you review your income statement. You know, I, I forgot about this, but I actually, you know, I had a business coach for 10 years and that was one of the things early on in my career that she made sure we did. I had mm. KPIs and I reviewed my, reviewed my income statement and my balance sheet. Um, that, you know, that was like, I think it was like five years into my career when, when I brought her on board and that was something I still continue to do on a consistent basis. So really great podcast. I think it really gave everybody, uh, uh, something to think about in regards to maybe changes that they need to make. Um, I would like to thank so very much Vince Shorb from national financial education educators council for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Please also give us a review if you like today's podcast. It really helps us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a business line of credit, uh, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. Vince, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, they can see me on LinkedIn, Vince at Vince Shorb. Uh, that's my last name. Or go to our website, financialeducatorscouncil.org. I know it's a mouthful, financialeducatorscouncil.org. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah, it was great. So I want to leave everybody with this last uh, reminder, uh, something that um, it's it's a saying. I did not set, invent it. It says that you, if you can, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So, you know, that goes back to the idea of knowing where you're spending your money, making uh, informed decisions can really help you in both your business and in your personal life. Other than that, I want to wish everybody a really, really uh, great day. Uh, the weather has changed where we are and it's beautiful outside. You know, number one thing that you got to do other than financial health is take care of yourself. So make sure you try to get out there, enjoy the weather. It'll help you in your business. Everybody have a great day.